You're listening to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast with vegan life coach Michelle Olander, episode 78, When Vegans Cheat. Hello, Veg Heads, Veg Your Besties. Welcome back. Welcome back to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every week to encourage you to eat more plants and set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. And today, episode 78, when vegans cheat, you know, just as with any other community or subculture, there are specialized terms. There's specialized vocabulary. And you know, I've been vegan for a little while. So some of these, of course, I'm definitely familiar with the idea of plant-based, whole food plant-based, raw vegans, pescatarians, pegans. Do you know this one? Pegans. Those are so-called paleo vegans. And then there's something called freegans. Freegan is a combination word of free and vegan, and it's used to describe vegans who will eat non-vegan food if it is free and going to be wasted or thrown away. And then there's, you know, there are a million terms. There's austro-vegans, vegans who are okay with eating oysters or similar bivalve sea life. And actually, sea life is another word a lot of vegans use instead of what many of us grew up calling seafood. So then there is the word chigan. Chigan. Now, I thought chigans were vegans who still on occasion eat cheese. But I was wrong. The ch, the ch in chigans apparently doesn't just refer to cheese. It actually refers to the word cheat. So chigans are actually folks who consider themselves vegan most of the time, but they occasionally, occasionally eat animal products, which could be cheese, but it could be also whatever. So chigan, this was new. It, is this funny? Does this happen to you when you think that you know what a word means and it turns out that you don't? So when I found out that chigans actually meant cheat not just with cheese i saw that tennis great venus williams is someone who has referred to herself as a chigan and if you go down that deep dark hole of the world wide web you can see articles about chigans and among people whose names come up in this category of chigan are people like former president bill clinton who calls himself vegan most of the time, but has also admitted to occasionally eating turkey on Thanksgiving and sometimes fish. And most recently in the news was newly elected mayor of New York City, Eric, Eric Adams. And it's been reported that he is also someone who calls himself a vegan and is extremely vocal, a very active proponent of veganism, but he has admitted that occasionally he eats fish. He was outed as someone who sometimes orders fish. So this drives some of the humans 
crazy, doesn't it? And for others of the humans, it's like no big deal, whatever. And then for still others of us, it's evidence, evidence that a vegan lifestyle is obviously impossible or unsustainable. <laughs> this concept of chigans. And it seems to me, it seems to me that the only reason is that a lot of us have an opinion about what other people are using as their identification or their term or how they're using it is because of this word vegan. A lot of us have a lot of rules about the word vegan. And we have a lot of rules out there about who's allowed to use it and what they are allowed to describe with that word. So today, today I thought we'd take a couple of minutes to just think out loud about what is in a name. What's in a name? How do we want to think about terms like vegan, pegan, chigan, or plant-based, or whole food plant-based, or raw vegan, or lacto-ovo-vegetarian, or austro-vegan, remember them, the vegans who eat oysters and bivalves. How do we want to think about all these terms, all these words? Well, when I ask you that, how do we want to think about these words? I am. I'm tipping my hand, aren't I? Because as far as I'm concerned, you get to think about them any way you want. Isn't that nice of me? I'm going to let you think about it the way you want to. And you know, I get to think about it the way I want. Even in, in the law, even in logic or philosophy, math, all the terms are defined within the specific argument or the specific reasoning or the proof. Terms are not expected to be universally understood and agreed to by everyone. When the judge sends instructions to the jury, he describes, he defines the terms of what he's asking the jury to rule upon based on the specific definition used in that court of law, in that state, in that jurisdiction. Now, there are, of course, some agreed upon definitions, but, and this is a big but, you have to know that the word coming out of your mouth has rules for some people. And listen, a lot of us don't know that. A lot of us don't know what rules other people have about the words coming out of our own mouths. Now, if you know me, you know that I love languages. I'm a language geek, and I'm not fluent in anything, nothing, except on some days, arguably English. But I have studied languages. I have studied Polish and Russian, French and Spanish. Italian, and some small amounts of a few other languages. I know 
a ridiculously large number of words in other languages, which is not the same as being able to speak any of these other languages. And actually recently found Wordle. Wordle is in, well, it's available in French and Italian and Spanish, which I'm playing, not because I'm fluent, mind you, but because I do know a lot of words. And I find words and terms and specialized vocabulary very exciting, very fun. Come back to me. <laughs> Come back to me. I can see your eyes glazing over. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reel this in. Yes, I find learning words in other languages so fascinating, not least of all because when we learn a language in school, when we use foreign languages in school, we're usually learning a rather stilted, idealized form of the language. You know, our language teachers are trying to teach us the rules of how you use the words correctly, how the grammar inflects meaning into those words. But most of us, most of us running around, chattering in our mother tongues day to day, do not speak that way. We do not speak the way others learn our language. And even as a fluent native speaker, we use words in our language wrong. <laughs> wrong all the time. I grew up around people for whom English was a second, and in many cases, a third or a fourth or a fifth language. By the time my grandmother learned English, she had already learned to speak, read, and write German, Russian, French, in addition to her native Polish. So a bit of a digression, but it means that for me, conversations even arguments about vocabulary, correct usage, nuance of given words. These are very standard conversations to have. They're very part, they're part of the way I think. Because in living languages, words and their meanings are just not eternally fixed. Words change, they evolve, they morph depending on your point of view. And they are changing because of the way they are spoken. Even in the same language, words are used, words are used, how might I want to say this? Words are used differently, even in the same language, by speakers who are of different ages or generations, different ethnicities, different religions or cultures, different socioeconomic groups when they're spoken by people of different gender or sexual identifications, words and their meanings, whether we like it or not, are simply not fixed. They're simply not fixed. And let me tell you, I sometimes do not like it. Honestly, sometimes it grates at me when people use a word differently than the way I grew up using it, or in a way that I sometimes find personally offensive or pejorative or ignorant. Sometimes I'm bothered when words are used in a way that my education or my socialization told me was just plain wrong. Listen, I'm not immune to being bugged by extremely small things. Like when people refer to Leonardo da Vinci as da Vinci, 
okay? That's like fingers grating on a chalkboard for me. Da Vinci? No, 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 that's a no. <laughs> you can say Leonardo. You can say Leonardo da Vinci. But did you know you cannot say da Vinci? Okay, well, of course you can. And people do all the time. But if you do, I will not so secretly have some judgment about you. Now, more seriously, we've been recently learning about meanings attached to the pronunciation of Ukrainian cities like Kyiv. And apologies for my accent. As a Russian major and as an American, I grew up using the now obsolete Russian pronunciation of that city, the capital of the Ukraine. That is sometimes spelled K-I-E-V in the U.S. Now, for some of us, this difference is of absolute importance. And for many of us, many, many of us, we are completely ignorant of the distinctions implicit in the spelling and the pronunciation of the capital city of Kiev. Literally, life and death distinctions from some points of view. So, are words and their meanings worth defending? Are they maybe worth arguing about and discussing? And yes, yes, I think yes. I think yes. That's my thought. And I cannot expect it to be true for you. I cannot expect it to necessarily be your thought. Or more specifically, I can expect it, but that way madness lies because you get to think your thoughts all on your own without my permission. When we expect people to know what we know and to take it as seriously as we do, when we expect people to understand the nuances and the meanings implicit in the issue the way we understand it, well, I've done that. I've done it a lot, and it's not a good time. <laughs> On many subjects, just ask my family. I've got a lot of rules. But remember, when I'm outraged, when I'm judgy, when I'm annoyed or condescending about what someone else is thinking or not thinking, I need to remember it doesn't really make any difference to that other person. None. It only fritters away my good mood, my energy, the mood, the energy that I want to have if I'm going to be an effective advocate of the distinction that I think is so important. The subject, the issue that I think needs to be understood my way. And am I a great communicator or teacher if I'm livid about what you're thinking? If I'm judging what you're saying? Well, in my case, definitely not. Definitely not. So in case you've forgotten the subject today, there are words that we use in the vegan community which are used outside of the vegan community 
that are not always understood the same way. And many of us will have very strong reactions to that because we think that some of us think that you can only say certain words or use certain terms if you think the exact same thing about that word that we do or that I do. Some of us do this in the vegan community when we are discussing who can or cannot say that they're vegan. And I understand this. It is understandable. There's an argument to be made for it. And yet, and yet, in my opinion, the way I think about it, it's unhelpful. And I don't think it saves animals. It doesn't save animals to tell someone, nope, you're not vegan, or that you're not allowed to say that word. Now, that's just my thought. And you know I get a fair amount of criticism. You must know this by now. I get pushback on this issue. The consensus, well, the consensus of the term, as I understand it, is that though there was no term for vegan until the 1940s, I can't remember if it was 1941, the term was supposedly coined by Donald Watson at first as a term for vegetarians who do not eat dairy. A bit later, Mr. Watson wrote that vegans, well, that vegans explicitly abstain from eggs, honey, and animals, milk, and butter and cheese. And then a little bit later, from around 1951, the self-named Vegan Society defined veganism as the doctrine that man should live without exploiting animals. Adding another level of meaning that is beyond that of just diet. So I accept those terms. I like those terms. I actually share those terms and I share them with others, and I want to help myself and others live as closely as possible to those definitions. I think they're good ones. And, and I'm just not interested in condemning anyone for using those terms in a different way. As far as I know, even the vegan society, even Donald Watson, evolved on what they thought the exact meaning was of the term that they invented, vegan. So I'm not a nihilist. I'm not saying nothing matters. I'm not saying that you can use any word and make it mean anything you want, even though actually you can, and people do it all the time. Humans are making stuff up, using words in new ways all the time. But if we lose our shiitakes every time people do not use words the way we do, or understand what we know, or take it as seriously as we do, then we are not present to calmly say our truth or advocate powerfully for the things that we say that we hold so dear. If we're busy judging and condemning and criticizing, we are not present. We are not able to speak in a way someone else can hear. 
And at the same time, we're not hearing what that other person is trying to tell us by using that word or that idea in a way that's got us a little bit triggered. Because if we're busy with our judgment, we don't hear where their goals and aspirations and their common ground with us is being challenged. We miss an opportunity to maybe help or inspire or support or encourage. And in the meantime, being annoyed with how other people use words doesn't really help any of the things we say we want to help. So veg heads, veg your besties. If you are someone who's getting a little bugged when people use terms like chigans or when they use vegan as if it's a diet, I get it and I admire you. But we really do need your voice, your example, your experience as someone who's chosen to opt out of animal exploitation to help others do more. And if you're someone who is beginning a vegan journey and you're afraid maybe of being vocal or being public about it because you're afraid of being judged or condemned or canceled if your actions aren't fully in alignment with your ideals, I get it. And I admire you for doing what so many people in our culture think is impossible. So in the next week or two, we're going to be talking more about chigans, what it means when vegans cheat, or when vegans hold on to special categories that they don't want to give up yet. You know, I've told you many times, there is, as of yet, no international vegan policing authority. Like most everything else here on planet Earth, We're making it all up as we go along. So if you would like some help or some support as you create your vegan journey, and if you're ready to take your vegan practice and turn it into a business or an initiative, let's talk. Let's talk about how coaching could help you with just that. You know we need you. Don't wait for some idea of perfection to start. Don't put it off until you're sure no one will ever argue with you? Because people will think you're doing it wrong. They will. Let them. People think I'm doing it wrong all the time. And I let them think whatever they want. Isn't that so nice of me? So, more about cheating vegans in the weeks ahead. In the meantime... Regardless of where you are on your vegan path, please, don't cheat the rest of us out of the work that only you can do, the work only you can create. And don't cheat the planet and the environment out of what you can do right now to lighten the burden. And don't cheat us as a community out of the example and leadership you can show in your family. Don't cheat yourself, most of all, don't cheat yourself out of starting a really wonderful journey and all that you're going to learn as you go along. Okay, kids, talk to you next week. 
Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.